Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. We had a, a show planned for tonight. We had a whole thing. It's Bob Dylan's 81st birthday, and I was going to talk all about Bob and probably alienate a lot of you for that. We were going to talk about, uh, I was going to do a big, long, extended rant on the recommendations to change U.S. military bases away from treasonous Confederate white supremacist names, and then everything changed. And so we're opening this up to all of you tonight for the next three hours. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you just can't believe it anymore... We are here for you, and we are glad you are there for us. So let's all be there together, and we welcome our conservative friends who actually give a damn and want to find a solution to call in tonight as well. Our number is 866-997-4748. Hello to everyone listening on the John Fugelsang podcast, everyone listening to SiriusXM On Demand or the SiriusXM app. I hope you are well. We welcome your uh, emails to com or to our show's Facebook page. Tell me everything. Uh, on Sirius XM. And um, let's be there for each other for the next three hours. We we have some terrific guests. Igor Volsky of Guns Down America will be here. He has joined us in the past. And uh, on a day as heartbreaking as this, I was very, very lucky he was free to join us again. Um, Panthea Lee uh, joins us as well. She's a great journalist who has an amazing piece for the nation. Sex, Death, and Empire, The Roots of Violence Against Asian Women. The stuff we're seeing happening to Asian women now has a lot of precedent in history, including the history of our armed forces. And we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But right now, I know you feel helpless. I know you feel furious. Many of you are probably consumed by rage because you know this didn't have to happen. Every day, 100 Americans are killed with guns and hundreds more are shot and injured. In the first year of Donald Trump's presidency, guns were used to kill 39,773 Americans. That is the biggest number of such deaths since we began tracking them in 1979. We are awash in guns. There's approximately one for every resident. We lead the world in gun-related homicides at a rate of 4 to 16 times higher 
than any advanced nation. Women in the United States are 21 times more likely to be killed with a gun than women in any other high-income countries. Firearms are the second leading cause of death for American children and teens. Firearms are the first leading cause of death for black children and teens. There's an average of 11 murder-suicides every week in this country. Uh, We require 10 times the amount of blood for gunshot victims compared to victims of other trauma. Nine states have actually banned large-capacity ammunition magazines, only nine. Uh, Eight states have passed red flag laws after the Parkland shooting. Red flag laws are just measures to keep deadly weapons away from violent people. There are zero gun control policies that have been passed that will address our country's ongoing, lethal, preventable, blood-soaked, money-driven, vote-driven gun crisis. Today is the 144th day of 2022. The Uvalde shooting is the 212th mass shooting in this country of 2022. Today's shooting came just 10 days after an 18-year-old white supremacist killed 10 people in an upstate New York supermarket. Less than 10 days ago, we had the deadliest mass shooting of the year, and that record did not last two weeks. As you probably know by now, at least 21 people, including 18 children, were murdered today in a shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. It's about 85 miles from San Antonio. The killer was 18. He shot his grandmother. He drove to the school. He crashed his car. He entered the building. And he began shooting. Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez told CNN a couple hours ago, 18 children were dead. Three adults were dead. The shooter's grandmother is still alive. She was airlifted. The school shooter was born in North Dakota. That's interesting, but we'll get to that in a moment. He went to high school in Uvalde. And on his 18th birthday, he was able to buy the guns he used today to slaughter children. We'll get to that, too. He's dead, by the way. We're not going to say his name. This is the deadliest school shooting in our country since Sandy Hook nine years ago when a 20-year-old shot and killed 20 children and six adults at an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut. Now, Robb Elementary teaches second to fourth grade only. They had 535 students last school year, 2020 to 2021. About 90% of the students at Robb Elementary are Hispanic. About 81% of them are what we call economically disadvantaged. Thursday was going to be the last day of school before their summer break. The children who were murdered today were all grades 2 to 4. They were all between the ages of 7 and 10. Here is President Joe Biden speaking just a few moments ago. At 17-hour flight, what struck me was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. Why? They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency that happen in America. Why? Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? 
Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? It's time to turn this pain into action for every parent, for every citizen in this country. We have to make it clear to every elected official in this country. It's time to act. Here's exactly what's going to happen next. The NRA is going to send out mailings tonight to all their members announcing that Joe Biden is going to come for your guns. People are going to believe this and they're going to buy a lot more guns. And the gun manufacturers are going to make another profit after yet another massacre. And they will use those profits to buy off politicians to make sure nothing changes. Because that's what happens every time. Repeat. Yavaldi school officials initially said around 12.30 p.m. the shooting had happened off campus and that the assailant had run onto school grounds and barricaded himself, forcing kids to be evacuated. Yavaldi police said at 1.06 p.m. he had been taken into custody. He was not. Governor Greg Abbott was the first to deliver the news hours later that a mass shooting had unfolded. He announced he was lowering flags to half-mast. After shooting his grandmother, he entered the school with a handgun and possibly a rifle, Abbott said. Let me quote the governor. He shot and killed horrifically and incomprehensibly 14 students and killed a teacher. Incomprehensibly, that's the word that stood out for me. But here's the thing. Not only was this shooting comprehensible, Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton and the Republican Party and the NRA made it feasible. Greg Abbott has an A-plus rating from the NRA, and last year, just about eight months ago, he signed a bill into law lowering the age to buy guns in Texas from 21 to 18. This 18-year-old's ability to buy assault rifles on his 18th birthday is a direct result of Greg Abbott making this law. This killer was able to buy the guns he used to slaughter children because of this empty, godless, blood-soaked shill. But hey... He's lowering flags. Greg Abbott needs to resign. He needs to resign. Mitt Romney, who has taken $13 million from the NRA over the course of his career, needs to resign. Ted Cruz needs to resign. He's taken over $176,000 from the NRA. John Cornyn has taken over $70,000 from the NRA. He needs to resign. They have children's blood all over them, and I don't want to hear them talking about God. Keep God's name out of your mouth, you revoltingly fake Christian shills, and get the blood off your hands. From the Dallas Morning News, every leading Republican in this state has made more permissive gun access a political cause while doing precious little or actively undermining efforts to enforce existing regulation. Here's the question. When are politicians going to start talking about keeping guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have guns? When are they going to talk about how civilians don't need weapons designed to kill lots of people really fast. When are they going to talk about how we keep legal guns from becoming illegal guns? They won't. They're paid not to. They don't work for you. I want to play you uh, Steve Kerr, coach of the Warriors, who had a press conference today and announced off the, off the bat he was not going to talk about basketball. We do every week. So... I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want 
every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And, the, and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check? 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. 18 kids murdered near elementary school because a boy turned 18 years old in a state where a governor made it okay for him to buy assault rifles. What, what, what kind of merchant lets an 18-year-old buy weapons of war and doesn't ask questions? Are you allowed to sell, like, poison to an 18-year-old? Can you sell a beer? Can you sell landmines? Or grenades, or white phosphorus, or weed? No, but you can sell bullets. You can sell assault rifles. The NRA has endorsed Greg Abbott for re-election. They did it three months ago. The president, Charles Cotton of the NRA, flew down to Texas. <coughs> they spent a lot of time there. They're going to have their annual convention this Friday. Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz are both going to speak. They haven't called this event off yet. When Charles Cotton endorsed Abbott for re-election, he said he signed two major bills. One of them was open carry. The other, and the far more important one, was campus carry. He signed constitutional carry. That is the most constitutionally significant bill ever. Guys, <laughs> nine years ago, we saw Sandy Hook, and 90% of Americans supported expanded background checks. 90%. That is more popular than Christmas. And we didn't get an up or down vote. Because of the goddamn filibuster, which only existed because of slavery and Jim Crow in the first place, they blocked an up or down vote. They, they wouldn't allow a vote. The only way expanded background checks take away your Second Amendment rights is if you're a criminal, if you're insane, or a terrorist. And if you're all three of those things, you probably already work for the NRA. And they're going to come out with all their slogans now. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Yeah. Okay, True. But NRA people who own Congress people make it easy for deranged people to kill innocent people with guns. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. They really believe that. That's why they're selling so many guns, to get rid of all these people. Here's Senator Chris Murphy. Fourteen kids dead in an elementary school in Texas right now. What are we doing? What are we doing? A shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons. We have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? 
Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? <laughs> if your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? The NRA wants you to remember, and the Republican Party wants you to remember, that 59 Americans murdered in Vegas, 49 Americans murdered at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, 26 Americans murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary, 17 Americans murdered at Parkland High School, 13 Americans murdered at Columbine High School, 10 Americans dead in the Boulder Market, 10 dead last week in Buffalo, and at least 20 dead today in Uvalde, Texas. They're just the price America's got to pay. So unstable men with cash can easily get guns. Let me tell you, folks, ISIS is terrorism for the profit, but NRA is terrorism for the profit. And you'll see a lot of right-wingers pushing out this other talking point. Who, who was this guy? Did he cross the border? He has a Latino-sounding name. Well, he was born in North Dakota. The gun was put in his hands because Greg Abbott signed a law letting him get it. This could have been prevented. 18 people or 20 people are confirmed dead because Texas wanted to give more guns to more people with no training. And you know the lines they're going to use. Well, it's a mental illness problem, not an AR-15 problem. Yeah, but then you're the ones letting mentally ill people have access to AR-15s. And I'm telling you, right now, the NRA is copying and pasting all their old, Obama's coming to take your gun, so give us money, emails. And they're just swapping in the word Biden. Whenever the NRA says it's too soon to talk about gun deaths, it's always too late. (sighs) Americans aged 18 to 20 commit 18% of all homicides. They're only 4% of the U.S. population. Young people 18 to 20 commit almost one in five murders. And not only does the NRA and the Republican Party think they should be able to buy semi-automatic rifles, right now they're trying to lower the federal age to buy a handgun to 18. What can we do? They're going to smear anyone who wants to do anything. They're going to say, you're exploiting a tragedy. You're exploiting a tragedy. You'll have people say that to you on your social media or at work. Stop exploiting a tragedy with your... No, we're not exploiting a tragedy. We're trying to prevent the next one. I, I, I think it all comes down to what I call one degree of empathy. You know, this is the, the difference to me between liberals and conservatives. I love a lot of conservative people, but... but and I know there's, conser- there's liberals who could be dicks too, but if I had to have one vague, generalized difference, liberals care about everybody. Liberals don't want it to happen to anybody. Conservatives don't want it to happen to them. Conservatives don't care about an issue until it affects them or someone they know. One degree of empathy. I've I've had people I know be murdered by guns. Young people. But I think for some people, it's got to affect them personally before their hearts awaken, before their minds and souls awaken. look Look at Rob Portman, senator of Ohio. Homophobe his whole life, right? He wrote the Defense of Marriage Act, couldn't stand the gays, and then his son came out as gay. And he realized, oh my God, I don't hate gay people, I love one. And he renounced his homophobia, he renounced the Defense of Marriage Act. His heart was changed, it kind of makes me wish his son had come out as poor as well. But that could be what it takes, one degree of empathy. This is going to have to happen. It, it, it's preventable, it shouldn't happen. But it's going to have to happen over and over and over again before these fucking Americans with their closed hearts and closed minds care. It's going to have to have someone they love have their heads split open by a bullet that was legally purchased 
because some politician who accepted a bribe made it easy for that bullet to be sold. Everyone's going to have to know someone who dies before anything changes. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be nihilistic. I want to be more hopeful than this. But they just don't care. And that's why you have to care twice as hard. That's why you have to fight. That's why we have to vote. A majority in the Senate means nothing when two senators from the Democratic side are as bought off as the 50 on the Republican side. We have to show up and vote. It's going to get worse before it gets better, but I I think if you're listening to this channel, you've already signed on for being part of the solution. We want to know what you think. Politicians who take blood money from the NRA don't get to say thoughts and prayers because they do not pray and they do not think. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Right now, I want to get to our first guest of the evening, because when this happened, I, I thought, oh, my God, I, I wonder if Igor Volsky might be free, if Igor Volsky might be able to join us. He's been on the show a few times in the past. Guns Down America was formed about six years ago, and they're actively building a future with fewer guns. And they're doing it a smart, moral way by financially draining the gun industry and its lobby and building support every day for policies that will keep us all safe from gun violence. Mr. Volsky is co-founder and executive director of Guns Down America. He's the author of the excellent book, Guns Down, How to Defeat the NRA and Build a Safer Future with Fewer Guns. You've probably seen him on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News or MSNBC. It is a great pleasure to welcome Igor Volsky back to the show. Hello, sir. John, thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to have you under such sad circumstances. Before we even jump into it, let me ask, how has your day been? What was your day like, Igor, as someone who's invested so much of his life and energy into this issue and into saving the lives of Americans you'll never meet? What was your emotional process like today? Like mom's demand, there's so many gun groups that you can lend your support to, but, you know, hear, voting. Sorry, there's a playback. Igor, are you with us? Yep, I hear you. I hear you, John. Sorry, well, go ahead, I please. To, no, I have to tell you, you know, I was actually recovering from uh, a little cold uh, over the last couple of days, and so I spent most of today uh, sleeping, just, you know, just in bed. And I woke up in the afternoon uh, and, you know, within a couple of hours saw news of this shooting uh, and, you know, felt what I always feel, John, and that is we have a system in this country that empowers people 
to obtain incredibly powerful weapons that are specifically designed to kill as many people as possible in as short a period as possible. And we have politicians who enable that system to continue. And now uh, I think in Joe Biden's America, we have a president who ran on a promise that he made to survivors, that he made to Americans across the country, that he would prioritize gun violence prevention, and he simply hasn't. Uh, He hasn't uh, throughout his presidency, and he certainly didn't in his remarks tonight. And so I felt frustrated and upset for the community and for our nation when I saw this news. And his address tonight, frankly, um, made me feel no better because there was no vision. There was no strategy. There was no plan. There was, you know, simple thoughts and prayers, the very same thoughts and prayers that Republicans send all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I admired the empathy. I think he really meant it. I didn't hear any specifics whatsoever. I mean, he he spoke fondly of the assault weapons ban and brought up the reality that when we had that, the mass shootings went down. But I didn't get any sense of any kind of concrete plan or framework that should have already been in place before well, John, these last two atrocities. This. this this shooting, as you know, comes about 10 days after Americans were reminded once again that going to a grocery store is dangerous in America, could get you killed. Now they're reminded once again that sending your child to school is a dangerous activity in America, could get your child killed. And for some reason, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer have no interest in running in the midterm elections on a promise of we have a plan to keep you and your children safe from gun violence. The other guys do not. And I, John, I I don't work in electoral politics, so maybe there's some three-dimensional chess I don't understand. But for the life of me, for the life of me, I don't get why a president who I'm sure personally cares about this issue and understands loss and death, I'm sure he does why he can't stand up to his advisors and say, you know what? I might lose this fight. I may not have 60 votes. I may not have enough votes to break the filibuster, but I promised survivors. I looked them in the eye. I promised them I would prioritize this. I'm going to fight for it, no matter the consequences, because it's a matter of life and death. Why he won't say that? why our Senate majority leader won't say that, why they think there's a bigger political reward in ignoring this problem. That's right. I will never understand. I don't think it's 3D chess. I think it's focus groups. And I think the Democrats feel after Newtown that this is a losing losing argument for them. And I don't understand. We see some of them who are leaders, but I want to see a whole party that leads on this. And I want to see a party that is willing to go down in flames over this. I, I completely yeah. agree with you. I mean, there's we've talked about this, Igor. There's 50,000 more gun stores than there are McDonald's restaurants in the country today. So what does that tell you about how we perceive this issue and how we could best address this on a public level? Well, look, I think it tells us that we have allowed 
the gun industry, and we've allowed gun culture to really take root and take hold in communities across the country. We have failed to develop any kind of counter-narrative. We have failed to educate Americans about the reality that guns in almost anyone's hands, John, and you know this, are innately dangerous. Uh, and so maybe we should think about, you know, raising, I talked in my book about raising the bar yeah. for gun ownership uh, in the United States. And that means making guns harder to get for everyone. But look, yeah. if we're not willing to have that public conversation. And look, I understand this isn't going to be done tomorrow or, or next week or next month. This is a long term effort, right, of creating muscle memory around actually trying to do something when tragedies like this occur. That's what I want to see this president start to do. Because the thing, and I don't know if you get this in in some of your mentions, but the thing that I think really breaks my heart is whenever I tweet out, you know, Joe Biden needs to be more aggressive, needs to be bolder, etc. What I get back is, well, what do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? Why aren't you going after Mitch McConnell? Mitch McConnell is the problem. He doesn't have the votes. And And it shocks me that even the people who are Joe Biden voters, even the people who self select to be on my mailing list, on on March for Our Lives' mailing list, on Gifford, you name it, mailing list, even they don't expect any real progress on this issue. That's kind of the depressing part of all of this, is that there's nobody, or I should say very few voices, who are publicly demanding, urging this president to do anything on this issue. Now, that's not the case on abortion. That's not the case on climate. That's not the case on immigration. That is only the case on this issue where the expectations, they're not even in the basement. They're somewhere in the foundation of the house. They simply don't exist. Absolutely. I, I got to say, your organization has had really impressive successes with several recognizable corporations. I'm thinking Walmart and FedEx. And you've really shown what people can do while not waiting for politicians to come in and do it. Could you share with us some of the most impactful campaigns Guns Down America has led? Absolutely. And folks can go to gunsdownamerica.org to learn more about those efforts, John. And, you know, they're based really on this theory that during a period of federal inaction, which sadly we're in today as well, um, it's really important for us to activate other powerful voices in society uh, to help make progress on this issue. And what we know from causes like marriage equality or climate or immigration is that business voices can play a really unique and powerful role in reaching different kinds of audiences and making different kinds of arguments that tend to break through the political stalemate on an issue. So, you know, we've been successful in pushing Walmart, in the, as you mentioned, in the aftermath of the El Paso shooting to step back from most gun sales, to take other key steps to help us build safer communities. We've pushed banks to break ties uh, with the National Rifle Association and with gun manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Um, We've pushed uh, Subway, for instance, to finally 
establish a policy that forbids customers from bringing guns into their stores. You know, what I, and we were reminded, I, I go back to the Buffalo shooting, we were reminded of a shooting that happened in a grocery store was yes. one of about over 400 shootings in or around grocery stores just since January of 2020. Yep. And what that tells us is that businesses are actually on the front lines of our nation's gun violence crisis. And as a result, they should play a role in helping us build safer communities. So why in the world are they still donating money to NRA-backed politicians? Hmm. Why aren't they using their clout and their muscle in Washington, D.C., to lobby on this issue, to, re- to make a real business case for why it's important for us to pass tougher gun laws? Why aren't they investing in community programs, community violence intervention and prevention programs that can help reduce gun violence, that everyday gun violence that happens all across the country? They have a role to play, right, to keep their yeah. employees and their customers safe. And it's time we push them uh, to step up and do it. The last time you were with us, Igor, and I thank you so much for, for giving of your time this evening. I wanted to ask you because... One of the most unanticipated results of COVID-19 was the the increased gun sales, the highest firearm sales ever recorded in the U.S. And and studies show that 70% of the firearm purchases during the months of the pandemic were made by by new buyers. But crimes like armed robbery were decreasing before the lockdown. But when the lockdown began, reports of domestic violence, as you know, increased. Before COVID, on average, 52 women a month were shot and killed by an intimate partner. Uh, that number went up, of course. Um, but, you know, there are local initiatives that have been put into place to help some of those affected, like code words you give to pharmacists or hotels opening their doors to victims. I mean, this is going to continue to be a very real issue long past lockdown. And how can this be effectively addressed now? Again, because I'm looking for ways we the people can look out for each other until our leaders decide to catch up with us. Yeah, John, you know, I was following very closely during the early months of covid uh, a lot of the news reports that, uh, that talked about the increase in calls that domestic violence uh, shelters and domestic violence hotlines were receiving. I created an entire spreadsheet of states all across the country. It was a national trend, um, as you point to, and it was so good to see, um, as you know, hotel chains and, and, and other folks really finding ways to help women who for so many months were stuck in the house with their abusers, many of whom had access to a firearm and would often brandish that firearm as a threat. You know, the number, I, I kind of, I, I, I'm trying to remember what it is now at the top of my head, but it is in the millions of women who say that they have been um, uh, intimidated by an intimate partner, not yeah. through a shot fired, right, but just through brandishing of a firearm. And so all of those kinds of initiatives that help women who, are, who find themselves in those kinds of relationships uh, where men uh, use the firearm to intimidate them, uh, I think, you know, should certainly be encouraged and, and supported. But it's also to say, John, you know, we have a long history in this country and firearm manufacturers dating back all the way to the 19th century 
really, when you saw the real mass production of firearms, really understood the utility of, of two things in, in order to help sell guns. One is to wrap that firearm in the American flag, right, and call it patriotic, American, uh, uh, etc. Right. And two, to really tie, and you know this well, to really tie the firearm to masculinity, right? That having a gun is really what makes you a man, what makes yeah. you a cowboy, what makes you a real man. And it's those notions, those historical notions, right, that have in many ways carried us through to where we are today and I think have contributed to this idea. Uh, and certainly you have gun manufacturers to this day, as we saw in the recent Sandy Hook settlement, to this day using this machismo uh, language and imagery and weaponized imagery to sell assault weapons to very young, impressionable teens. Uh, you know, this idea, that you remember that, that man card, right? That this yeah. is what makes you a man that was sent out uh, uh, with, with assault weapons. And so, you know, there are all of these all of these dots here tied together, and that's not by accident. Those themes are being used in order to make money for gun that's manufacturers. Right. That's right. Igor Volsky, it is such an honor to have you join us, and thank you for joining us on such short notice. Igor is co-founder and executive director of Guns Down America. You can learn all about him at GunsDownAmerica.org. Also, his excellent book is Guns Down, How to Defeat the NRA and Build a Safer Future with Fewer Guns. Follow him at Igor Volsky. What a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you. John, always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's talk to each other. I want to know how you're feeling and what sense you're making out of such a senseless day. Hello, Marie in Atlanta. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm grateful to be talking to people tonight. Yeah, same here. Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I, have, I was listening to Senator Chris Murphy's um, statement on the, the Senate floor this afternoon. And as I thought about it, I thought we need, to, we need to start thinking about violence a little bit differently and talking about it a little bit differently than we do. Um, okay. It's kind of like for some people talking about racism, it's very easy if you're talking about colored only signs or um, slavery, you know, those very, very blatant, undeniable forms of racism. Similarly, yeah. the gun violence that happened today 
undeniably violent, right? Yes. But when you think about it, it's also the end product of a different type of violence. Violence that is the result of indifference. And yes. greed, if you understand it, is actually a form of indifference. If I, I have agree. the most and you have none, I don't care that you have none. Because greed I have and selfishness most. have always been the cancer that has rotted the American experiment from the beginnings. Exactly. Exactly. So if we think about indifference and how it is its own violence, I started to think about the violence of hunger, the violence of homelessness. If you can't afford a place to live and it's a crime in most places to be, quote unquote, a vagrant or homeless. Vagrancy laws. Yep. What do you do? I mean, and it's a crime to feed people on the street in some places. Like if you literally just give somebody a sandwich, you yeah. can end up getting a ticket for it. So I think that we really need to, to start talking about indifference as violence. I agree. We need to talk about those systemic ways in which we let, I suppose one could call it low-level violence, escalate up. Well, I mean, And the fact you know, that that indifference creates it. You're, you're exactly right. And this is what leadership does. I mean, leadership models behaviors. So when you model callousness, when you model cruel indifference, or at best benign neglect for the least of us, mm -hmm. you are letting young people, you're letting people of all ages in your society know this is how we do business here. And I point once again to the death penalty. When a government says the way to solve problems is to kill people, why are we shocked when individual citizens take that advice? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, but but can, but can this be, but I think you're brilliant, but can this ever be implemented on a policy level? Can you model empathy on a policy level when we have these politicians who are there seemingly just to get reelected? I think public financing of elections is, is a, a square root of all of this. I mean, not having privately financed elections would be so good for our democracy and would attract a much greater caliber of leader. I agree. I agree, because ultimately what Senator Murphy was saying was, why do you go through the trouble of running for this office to come here? Exactly why, right. why are you doing this? And they're not serving. So as long as there's money from the NRA, as long as there is power that they get as a result of having very wealthy friends, again, it comes down to that indifference. Their indifference is being purchased. And as Amen. long as we let that be a feature of our election system, we're just, we're doomed as a democracy. Marie, I, I thank you for your wisdom and your compassion. Please join us again more often if you would. Thank you. Thank you.